You are listening to Beyond Design, a podcast that inspires and encourages architects, engineers, and aspiring construction industry professionals to develop their skills and pursue professional careers beyond design. I am Brian Ernest Regalado, an architect by profession practicing as a construction cost management specialist. Join me as I sit down with experts in the construction industry to talk about their professional practice, principles, processes, the lessons they have learned, and how they make an impact. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in tonight to watch us live in our first episode of Beyond Design. So Beyond Design is a show produced by Build Quotient AEC Training Institute. Hosted by yours truly, Brian Regalado. This show will not be possible without the help of our partners. Our partners for tonight's show are um, our Pioneer, Pioneer Adhesives and um, Arkey Solutions. Okay, so more than just being the title of this show beyond design is our battle cry together with our partners we lead the way in helping aec professionals develop skills beyond design this show is for architects engineers constructors construction managers landscape architects project owners building product manufacturers and everybody else who are involved in the construction industry our guest for tonight is Nick Smith, the current executive officer and the immediate past president of the International Construction Project Management Association. An expert in the field of uh, construction project management, he has worked in various senior, various senior management positions in both the United Kingdom and the Middle East. He is also the founder of the House of Experts. So if you want to connect with Nick, uh, you may do so at, at the email address flashed on the screen. So let's give Nick a warm welcome to the show. Okay. Um, hello, hello, everyone, and thank you to the sponsors for making this happen. And to okay. Brian, of course. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for allowing us to guest in this first episode of our show. It is such a pleasure to have you here. So before we go into the details of your career as a construction project manager, can you tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm British by uh, by birth, uh, so uh, I'm a lot older than uh, I guess most of the people that are going to be uh, uh, listening in today. Um, I worked for uh, many years until I was 49, actually, in uh, in the UK. So um, I trained uh, as a as a town and country planner. Uh, you may know that more as an urban and regional planner um, in the United Kingdom. My father was an architect. Um, so I was brought up at a very early age looking at buildings and trying to work out how things um, were actually uh, made and um, I didn't really have the talent to be an architect I was, I'm not uh, visionary enough to do that um, but uh, I was very interested in the way that towns and cities are put together and how all that works so hence the reason why I did town and country planning as my undergraduate um, I then worked for a while in the UK and uh, became an urban designer. I went back and did a master's in urban design at uh, Oxford uh, Brooks University. And um, urban design is a very interesting lead into project management because 
What urban design does is it, it figures out how buildings can be built financially successfully and create places that people actually like to use and to go to. And that's part of the role that a project manager has to do later on kind of in his career. So I then worked primarily in house building and mixed use development in the UK and was lucky enough to get to quite a senior position in the third biggest UK house builder at the time. So I was on the main board. So had uh, we built all around the United Kingdom, uh, including Wales and Scotland. And we built uh, over 6,000 houses every year. So I got to a situation where I worked with a lot of contractors and um, project managers, uh, suppliers, and uh, really became quite an expert in house building. Um, and then I worked for eight years in Oman in the Middle East, the Sultanate of Oman. I was headhunted to go there and run a major development project of uh, four billion uh, US dollars worth of construction uh, from uh, the start. So basically it was a, a piece of sand, a big piece of sand, and uh, right by the airports. And the idea was to build a new um, neighborhood for the city. Uh, including uh, residential units, hotels, a golf course, a new marina. We reclaimed uh, 60 hectares of land in the ocean. And I was CEO in charge of that, so chief executive of that for four years. And then for the remaining four years, I did some other projects, uh, built some other buildings, schools, um, and uh, various offices and warehouses and other types of uh, development in Oman. And then for the last few years, I lived in Spain. Last six years, I lived in Spain. I work as a consultant just for myself, advising clients on um, building projects, project management. And I also do some personal coaching uh, for people. And during that time, I became very involved with ICPMA, International uh, Construction Project Management Association, and uh, was the president there for the last couple of years. So um, and now executive officer, there's a lady president who took over. So, um, yeah, that's a sort of summation of uh, my career, I guess. Okay, so you are um, an urban designer by training mm. and education, but you ended, up as a, uh, you ended up in construction project management. Is it a deliberate, deliberate choice on your end to become one? Can you share to us how you started as a construction project management professional? And what were your main considerations for becoming one? Well, it's quite interesting because really I didn't do much project management in the UK because I um, was really a, um, a different, I had a slightly different career and a different structure there and, and the way that things worked was slightly different. But uh, when I got to the Middle East, um, even though I was CEO, um, there was an awful lot to do. There was a, a lack of um, inherent skill base in that country to take on big projects. This, is a, this was a massive project. So um, I kind of got to the situation where I figured out that uh, actually construction project management comes at various levels. And um, so there's the guy on site a guy or girl on site who makes sure that all the tiles are 
arranged in straight lines and that uh, the bathroom works and, and and that kind of thing who's got a real eye for detail and understands how buildings are put together in an absolute detail so one of the best examples of that would be someone like a shop fitter so fitting out a shop is actually a complex uh, task there's lots of things that have to come together make the shop look good make everything function my role in project management was at a different level. I've, I felt that I really was much more um, able to look at it in a strategic way. So for me, it was all about understanding what the client wanted at a strategic level, what he wanted his building or buildings to do, and then putting a team together who could make that happen. Now, I actually believe, and I know we'll go on to talk about this later in this uh, in this interview, but um, I actually believe that this will be a big role for construction project managers going forward. Because um, what I discovered was that in many cases, the client would basically say, this is the building I want you to build. You go away and build it, and I won't see you for a year, and I'll come back and see it when the building's finished putting all the trust into the contractor and the very, and the engineers and the designers to actually make something happen. And in the Middle East, what happened was, on many occasions, he would go back a year later and say, that's not what I wanted. I didn't actually want that. I didn't understand that's what the plan showed. I want something different. Mm. And it would cost him twice as much money to fix it. Um, and uh, there would be a time delay, of course, Mm -hmm. and everyone would fall out. So I got to a situation where I, I'd figured this out and I realized that actually for me, my role as a construction project manager was really a little bit more like being a client representative. So understanding what the client wanted, what he wanted his design team to produce, and then how he wanted it to be done on site. So for me, that was not the example I gave you earlier of the shop fitting thing, the actual, the real, real detail. My role was much more about bringing the team of architects, engineers, interior designers, M&E consultants, um, the contractor, bringing them all together very early on in the process and making sure that they fully understood what the client wanted. Now, the goal of that was to make sure that the buildings were delivered on time, at the correct price, and at the correct uh, quality. That those three things, and we—that's how I managed to get my clients was mm -hmm. by running that that part of it. And pretty much all of the buildings that we delivered, we delivered on time. So, um, yeah. So. Um, that was really my role. I'm not sure if I've explained that that well, but it, it's a role that didn't really happen in England, in my home country. But I think in developing countries, particularly those countries that are doing, you know, building lots of big, massive buildings and don't have necessarily the um, inherent skill base and the expertise, um, bringing the team together, understanding the client, um, being fair with them and communicating with them is the secret of success. 
and that's really what the, our, our association, the ICPMA, is 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 built on. That actually all team members should work together uh, for the benefit of the client, and the client needs to be in there right at the early stages, whether it's the government or whether it's a private client or whoever it is. Um, and, and that's that's how I got into it. I kind of uh, it wasn't a wasn't really a career choice it was just something that when I moved abroad when I moved to Oman I realized that actually um, you know this is something that uh, that we could do we have the same experience there I I became a construction project manager uh, it was not something that I planned ahead of time no. uh, because uh, I mean as an architect you are uh, the the practice is leaning towards just doing design. Yes. Um, but then there are just opportunities and uh, the opportunities are good. They're, well, I, I'd say they were much better in terms of financial rewards. So yeah. I, I had no choice but as a young and starting architect but to, to get into it. I mean, I, I wasn't trained for it. I, I learned the ropes of it um, while uh, at work. So yeah. Yeah. So you've been uh, oh before we proceed to the next questions we'll 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 be taking on some questions from from our viewers so if yeah. you have for the viewers if you have any question or um, just type them at the comment section and indicate to whom it is addressed uh, so whether it's for me or for Nick just say it uh, just say say it uh, type it in the comment section so Nick you were in Oman for eight years and. Um, and from that time, how long have you been practicing as a construction project manager? Well, I really, during the eight years I was there was my, my major time, to be honest. Uh, since I've left there, I have still, I have got a couple of clients still in the Middle East, and I still do some work for them. But um, I live in Spain now, so primarily, um, you know, I'm, I'm reaching the senior years of my career. So I have... Um, Taking a slightly different path, as I mentioned before, I do personnel coaching uh, in terms of people's careers. But also, I've started to write about the things that I've learned, and I've been very heavily involved in the association, in this association, ICPMA, because I believe that trying to share our best practice and to try to bring the various professionals together is the best thing I can do in my senior years, if you like. My days of running around a building site are, um, are probably slightly beyond me uh, right now, uh, much as there is actually nothing like seeing a building that you've been part of coming out of the ground. I mean, when I, when I got to Amman, people, we, we had a lot of challenges. It was a very difficult time and it's a very difficult climate. And sometimes, you know, when the team got down a bit and things hadn't gone quite so well, they'd say, you know, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And I'd say, okay. Let's go out on site and look and see what we've done. Let's, here's a photo of what this was like six months ago. Let's go and have a look at it now. And, you know, people, they see the fruits of their labours. They see, they see it coming out of the ground. They see the building finished. They see the people move into their home or the shopkeeper moving into a shop or the golf course green, start to become green and people playing golf. You know, this is, uh, these things will never go away. They'll be there long after we've gone. Uh, they will still be there and people will enjoy them. And so um, there is nothing quite like that. There's nothing quite 
there is nothing like it. It's not like making a toothbrush. You make a toothbrush, you put it in a chemist and it gets sold. But, you know, you, yes, you're proud of making the toothbrush, but it's not quite the same as making a fantastic building or being part of a, you know, something that people enjoy, a place that they go to and they sit and have a cup of coffee and sit outside and enjoy it with their friends. There's, there is nothing like it. And it's, it's the biggest motivation, I think, for everyone, does that, everybody who's in our field of business you know that's why we're in it i go back to my father you know he told me come and look at this church you know when i was a kid you know mm -hmm. you have to see this building or we have to go to the york minster or we have to go and see this choir school or come and look at this building that i've designed you know um there is nothing like it so um i now um you know, I'm very keen to do things like this and to be, be involved in uh, helping uh, younger people uh, maximise their um, ability and their opportunities that they have. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's where I am. I can relate to that. Um, when you said uh, you were being, uh, you, your father brought you to places he's been involved in and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I did the same for my daughter. I have a daughter now, and she's watching. Oh dear! I hope you're not. I hope you're not boring her to tears. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I bring her to my project sites, and um, I remember bringing her to. I think one of the the best projects I've been involved in. Uh, it was a national museum for natural history, and I remember uh, bringing her there. Of course, getting the permission of the construct of the construction manager. Because I was in the, I think in I was in the sustainability team, All so right. yeah, so yeah, and uh, and whenever we'd pass by buildings that we've visit, visited before, and she would say, "Oh, we, oh, weren't you part of that building?" So it's 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 actually a nice, it's a a nice feeling. It's the, in it is. architecture is a is a public, uh, it's a is uh within the pub public realm it's there's no yeah. hiding it. and um exactly i think that's why designers have to really make sure that the buildings are beautiful because there's just no way to hide an ugly building so yeah no. um looking back what would you say would would you say that you have made the right decision um or the right choice in becoming a cpm Considering all the other aspects of life that are equally important, uh, uh, like uh, important to career, just like uh, family and uh, spirituality and other things that you do. So, anyway, I think this is within the context of uh, establishing or being able to help to, to achieve uh, work-life balance. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things uh, about working in the Middle East was that it was very much uh, what they call there now uh 60 60 24 7 so basically every every minute of every hour of every day um the the clients in the middle east definitely want things to happen very quickly um they are um hard task masters they want stuff to be done uh, quickly and, and and whatever so um that's kind of work life balance was was tough but on the other hand, um, 
you don't get too bogged down in uh, rules and regulations. Uh, if they want something to happen, they make it happen quickly. So um, many times in Europe, for example, um, I mean, take the example of the third runway at Heathrow Airport in London. That saga has been going on for 25 years and uh, the construction still hasn't started. So um, things get stuck uh, in, in, uh, in the political arena of many uh, European uh, countries, whereas in the developing world, um, it's a lot easier to get things done quickly. Um, so I'd actually encourage um, any young professionals who want to get a huge amount of experience under their belt in very short timescales that developing countries are the place to go. Now, having said that, of course, we don't know. Uh, I suspect we'll come on to talk about the virus issues, but um, what we don't know is how the economies of the developing countries, and in fact, any country is going to survive after um, people being in lockdown and businesses being locked down. Yet money is short, it's scarce. But there's no doubt there are many countries of the world where uh, you can get a huge amount of experience uh, very quickly uh, in project management, construction project management, um, by just going there and being brave and, and you know, getting on with it. So uh, I think that um, I'm a little bit like you. I kind of fell into it and, I, and my career just kind of developed. I never really said, well, that's the direction I really want to go in and that's the direction I don't. Um, one or two opportunities came my way and I thought, mm, I'm going to take it, you know, I'm going to go. Um, so that's really what happened with me. It, it doesn't sound that great, you know, it doesn't sound that I maybe did the right thing by just letting things evolve. But on the other hand, you could take the view that that's what life's about. You know, when an opportunity comes along, if it sounds good, let's, let's take it. So um, I think... For the future of CPM, it's actually very bright. Uh, I, I suspect we'll come on to that. I think at the moment it's very difficult, but I think there are some opportunities that need to be looked at uh, where the skills of people who can put things together, who understand all the aspects of how a project gets, how a construction project gets built, uh, that expertise is going to be very much required. Nick, uh, just to share with you too. Um... When I got into the CPM thing, I, I was thinking, yeah. this is my longer, uh, the, my this is just a longer journey to what I, I love Ultimate. doing, which is okay. which is design. But uh, the longer I, the longer time I spent in doing construction project management, the more I actually loved the, the challenges that came my way, and the harder it was for me to get into design until I think it came to a point where I said to myself, why, why am I still looking forward to, to designing when I have all yeah. these opportunities ahead of me? And, um, and hearing, uh, hearing what my colleagues would tell me about the, the, the status of... So, oh, Brian, Brian I, I think you do a lot of uh, cost management work. Um, yes, I do. Now, so this is really important because, you know, one thing that many architects, certainly when I was a young man, didn't understand is how much things cost. So they'd have some great ideas, 
but their projects would never come to anything because the building was going to cost too much and wasn't and the client wasn't going to pay so trying to make things practical and cost effective um is is a key aspect of it and that's something i learned when i did my urban design because urban design is all about putting as i mentioned before putting buildings together Mm-hmm. That financially makes sense, and if they don't make sense financially, they're not going to get built. So you can do lots of fancy drawings, and nothing ever gets done. So yeah. understanding the management of cost and value, so value for money, and that doesn't mean cheapest is best, because generally cheapest isn't the best actually, uh, and mostly the most expensive is not necessarily the best either. There's somewhere in between where you will find a contractor or an architect or an engineer. Who will offer the client what he wants at the at the right price for him? And um, you guys who can really manage costs and really understand what's going on are absolutely key to key to the process. So with you, with your design flair and ability, and you know knowing what design means and being able to manage the costs, uh, this is a massive route forward. Yeah. It, 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 this is going to be central to everything that's built from here on in. Seriously, yeah. I mean, it was going that way anyway. Yeah, I, I think especially in the aftermath of the, of this um, of this global pandemic, where when organizations uh, try to preserve as much cash as they have, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think uh, cost management would would really will really be in demand. And and cost management is actually just a subspecialization within the the practice of construction management. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, Nick, how, how has how has your choice affected the kind of projects or opportunities that you had as a CPM in terms of scale type or building type or complexity? Uh, how has it affected yeah. those that that area? So, very interesting. That the reason why I went to the Middle East was a, this massive project. It was the one of the very biggest projects in the whole country. So. Um, you're dealing with lots of different types of development, um, you know, making building streets, building squares, building hotels. Uh, we had designers from America, Greece, Italy, Oman, um, the Great Britain. Um, they're all doing slightly different things and doing it in different ways. Um, and we had to put all that together. It's extremely complex. Um, down to uh, actually some of our project management work was very, very small. So actually we did fit out some shops uh, where basically, you know, there's a budget of whatever it is in terms of money and the shop needs to be fitted out and and done on time because the shop needs to open. Um, And so um, I enjoyed both aspects of it. The strategic side, to be honest, is more me. The, the bigger, the bigger side uh, of it is 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 much more for me. The strategic side, and as I mentioned, the client represent quite uh, the client representative role is something that I really enjoyed. So, we had a client once who I knew very well, got to know him very well, what he needed, and he would send me to meetings on his behalf. So I I was his voice. In, in the meeting with the team. Now, this is a really fantastic role because you are effectively, you have the power to make decisions. 
And um, that was a really fun side of it, you know. And I could go back to him and say, actually, look, if we spend a little bit more money, we could get this, and this is going to bring you some extra value. Or I could say, I've spotted this, or one of the team has spotted this way of saving a bit of money, which is actually, you know, you're wasting it, or we've redesigned this bit, or we can build it quicker if we use this methodology mm. rather than the one that you're thinking about. And we can build it safer if we do it this way. And, you know, these are things that actually clients like to hear. So if you're running, say, so, okay, you're a client, you're, you run a, um, telecom, a telecom company or you're the headmaster of a school. Why would you know how, how buildings are put together if you're the client? Why, why would you know that? You, you, you don't. Your expertise is running a telecoms company or, or running a school. So um, that strategic project manager, which I, I call a client representative, is, is the role that I really enjoy doing uh, most of all. Um, but uh, uh, and I, I, I personally believe that that is another um, big opportunity for the future. Um, people who, so you obviously have, Brian, you have design skills and cost management skills. You probably have other skills as well. I think training skills. So um, I would encourage anyone in the project management um, business to get as much experience, wide experience as possible. The wider experience you have, even if you're not fully trained in it, if you can understand the most important things and the basics, um, that's when you're really going to get on rather than being a complete, you know, just in one narrow sphere or one narrow box. I, I, I guess, Nick, um, that's, uh, that uh, the fact that uh, we actually become the alter egos of uh, the owner. Yeah. That yeah. puts that's us in a, yeah, in a position of greater influence than most of the players in the in the in the project team um nick before we we proceed with our, the next yeah, question client, you know by the way clients don't necessarily need to be scary yeah They're not all scary they actually yeah, that's quite true. often they don't know they, they don't know the answer so you yeah. can help them out by saying actually look i've got some options for you i've got three options for you i would go this way but there's two others that we could do what do you think these are the upsides and the downsides yeah so you know why why would a client know all the answers they don't so um that's a great role for us going forward yeah um there's a there's uh we'll just uh we'll uh we'll start accepting some questions uh we have yeah. a question from toby Penyare yeah. what is the most important quality or knowledge a person needs to have to become a successful cpm okay so I'm assuming, uh, Toby, that you, you you have a skill base and you're qualified. You have some qualifications and some experience. So without that, it's you can't you can't really do your job to start with. But once you've got some experience under your belt, the most important thing is to be able to communicate well. It's by far the most important thing with all members of the team. So um, I think that you. You, you need to have a broad, as broad an understanding as possible. Uh, but, you know, members of your team will know if you're um, just starting out in your career or whether you're senior in your career. But um, what I always looked for um, 
in the people that I used to either employ or instruct on my behalf was their communication skills. Were they, you know, were they on time? Could they communicate with me? Did they keep me updated? Did they respond to whether it was other men in the office or women? You know, could they could they deal with everybody fairly? Um, and could they understand what was important and urgent? Mm-hmm. So we all, we all know that some days you go to work and it's a nightmare going on. There's there's a nightmare going on. Basically, you you can't see the wood for the trees, as we would say. You know, everything's gone wrong. Um, so what that person has to be able to do is to try to understand what is urgent and important, both of those two things. Talk and communicate to other members of the team, and deal with those matters first. So there's a priority thing here, and not to not forget the blame culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what, once something has happened, it's kind of too late. There's very little point saying, you know, he or she was to blame. You've got to try and get everyone together and say, right, what's the solution? We're in a hole here. We're in a big hole. How do we get out of this hole? But fundamentally, this is communication. Don't sit in your own little world stew and say, well, it was his fault. I can't sort it out for him. He's got to sort it out for himself. Um, things do go wrong. You know, you build a building, it's unique. Even if you build the same building, it's going to be on a different site. So everything we build is unique. So it's not built in a factory. Things are not going to go 100%. They never, ever do. So the thing to do is to use the experience of others and communicate with them. And those who communicate well get to the top of organizations and will further their career better than anything else. I think um, the uniqueness of our project actually adds up to the complexity issues, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, for Toby, uh, I think I would, I would say uh, I, I'll divide it into two, two, two different points. Um, one is um, mindset. Uh, as Nick said, I think the word for it is we have to have a pro-project mindset. Thinking yeah. of the pro- of project success more than anything else. I mean, we as even as CPMs, we are representatives of the owner, but sometimes the owner doesn't know what he wants. And uh and sometimes they may make um very demanding demanding uh, they may put forward some demands that are unreasonable. And it's also up to us to tell them, to explain to them why it cannot be done. I mean, or maybe we can tell them it can be done, but at a certain, I mean, we have, there are certain trade-offs. And uh, it may not be trade-offs within the project themselves, but uh, trade-offs within the quality of relationships that surround the very, very complex nature of relationships in the construction project. Huh? And uh what we don't want to get ourselves into uh, is that point wherein everybody's adversarial, meaning yeah, every everybody will 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 always have a point of disagreement on almost anything and everything, and that is that will run contrary to to the very objective why we were hired, which is to steer the project towards project success. So. To, to me, that's uh, that's really the mindset. 
pro project pro project no? um everything about project success because if the project is successful i'm sure the owner will be happy also and everybody will be happy will. Yeah. uh and because uh, at the end of the day if it's successful i think there will be uh no litigations after the project so yeah so that's it and uh i think uh on the general aspects uh on areas of competence there's i don't think we have to choose between behavior be, behavioral competencies or competence and uh technical competence i mean they're interwoven we 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 pursue we 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 pursue both within the contextual domain of a, of the construction industry I mean, you we cannot just be a generalist project manager and not have the uh, domain experience meaning if we're we want to be project managers in the construction industry we have to make sure that our ex- experience in project management is developed within the industry itself not it cannot be i cannot be a construction project manager just because i have this certification as a project manager but i came from the it world it just doesn't make sense because um, mm. it has to be unique the unique to the domain uh, wherein you will serve as a project manager. So there you go. Um, okay, so good question. The, uh, good question. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for asking, Toby. Um, and then let's move ahead. Uh, we'll ask the other questions later on. But thanks, Toby, for for asking. Okay, so I'm sure Nick, that just like the other ICPMA presidents and former presidents, uh, you are successful in your chosen career as a CPM. How much of your success would you attribute to being a CPM? Meaning, uh, would do you think that you would have had the same level of success if you were you did something else? Like, um, yeah, other than CPM? It's very hard. My it's a very hard question. It's an easy question to answer, actually, for me, because my problem is I was always uh, destined to do something to do with buildings just because, you know, of my what happened when I was a kid and, you know, the fact my father was an architect. So, yeah, I was, um, I was kind of always destined to do something uh, along this line. Um, I did at one point think I might like to be a scientist, but I'm probably grateful that I didn't make that happen in the light of what's going on in the world at the moment. The scientists seem to be <laughs> <laughs> under, under, some, uh, under some scrutiny. Uh, and I would love to have been a rock star, but I can't sing very well. So that uh, doesn't really work. So uh, for me, really, it was, uh, it was, it was always going to be this way. I think uh, truth is, um, and I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me, there are always careers that one could have had that could have made you a lot more money. Um, there are careers you could have gone down which would make have made you less money. Uh, would they have made you as happy? It's hard to tell. Uh, I've had some great successes. I've had a few failures too. Uh, I think that the failures you have to learn from. And for people who are not prepared to fail, that's a big danger. I think you, you have to know when you haven't done something right. Uh, for me, um, my career actually changed quite a bit and I'm still kind of changing it as I mentioned to you with what I'm trying to do in my my senior years but um, there's there's no doubt that um, being part of a team which produces buildings and places that people like to go to is 
you know, one of the most satisfying things that you can ever do. So um, I go back and look at a few things that I've done over the past, look at pictures every now and then, and you think, wow, you know, amazing. I was, I was part of that team. There's, there's nothing like it. It's a great career. Uh, but, you know, don't do it if you're afraid. I, I think you, you do need to be willing to go out on site. Uh, I know it's quite hard at the moment, but um, you need to be seen on site if you're part of a team. You can't just do it sitting in your, in your home and direct things. You actually have to get out there and put your boots and hat on and go and walk around and understand really what's going on and see it and motivate the, the guys who are building this stuff on site. You have to be prepared to do that. Take a great interest and and really show that they're you know some of these guys work in muck and bullets. You know they're 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 working in desperate uh, conditions sometimes to get things done on time, and you have to be there with them. You can't just sit in your ivory tower and say and do this. So, but I you know I used to really enjoy that part of it. There's nothing like going out on the site and seeing something being built. So. Uh, which I've mentioned before. So for me, I think, uh, I don't know if I had the ability to, you know, do something else that would give me more satisfaction. I don't have any regrets. None at all. Not, you know, none. Was there any very specific formula to your to your success? Well, I'd like to say the listening thing and the team building, really. I think that... Um, I think that there are people in the world who are, you know, have three brains and four brains and are very, very clever people. I'm not one of those. I, uh, I understand a lot of things at a high level or to some degree, um, but I need people around. I need people around me. So when I went to Oman, I got some people who I'd worked with in the UK to come out and help with the project. Um, you know, I think the team building thing is is what it's all about. And for me, without that, uh, I would not have uh, I would not have been able to do what I did. Uh, it's all about the people I had, you know, with me, and uh, together uh, we managed to sort these things out. Um, and, and by the way, it's not all sorting. It's not always sorting out problems. The other, there's another side to this, which is seeing the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you're you're partway through a building building a building and you think, God, what if we did this? That would be really good. And being able to get the team to say, yeah, we could do this and we could do that and we could do that. You know, it's not always, um, it's not always uh, trying to resolve problems. It's also finding the opportunities to uh, make things better and to move things along quicker or whatever it may be. I don't know. What have you found, Brian? Um, do you, do you uh, your career path, what have, what have you found in, in that? I mean, you you mentioned that you kind of fell in it, into it too, but well, uh, looking back, uh, I actually, I would, I would, I would do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, 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 I would do do it again. I mean, I think fees were never. Well, it was. I think that for me, um, the struggle was being a cost management specialist. Is that um, there's a certain scale wherein. I mean, there's a minimum scale where I get hired. Yeah. Um, because um, for small, it's it's so it's a struggle to get into smaller projects. Um, yeah. 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 Normally, um, I would say getting involved in within the range of li- below 
two million dollars is is such a is such a struggle. And yeah, I, I've been wanting. Work, yeah. Yeah. Lot, I, yeah, I've been wanting to to get into this small, small, smaller projects, but collectively they're they're actually really big. Mm. But it's just. I think the fees aren't just uh, justifiable for for them. That's what they say. But um, but uh, for the the for the projects I get involved with as a, as a consultant, I think. Well, uh, some would some were some would not believe it, but uh, you can actually sometimes uh, you can you can do a month a month's revenue. I mean, you can work on a project and the revenue uh, have a contract duration of 60 days but get that revenue within what 10 days i mean mm. if, with, with all that I, I no longer do sites i just you know i, I enjoy being off the uh, being away from the site but i i guess that's a that that that's an option that comes with seniority it it, it does <laughs> i mean i, I I think there's two other things that I've learned. Firstly, um, I learned a lot by moving away from my homeland and um, working abroad. I learned by my career, you know, would not have been the same um, to work in a different, a completely different culture and a completely different environment uh, makes you much more a rounded person uh, career wise and, uh, and personally. So that was a really big thing for me. And, you know, I'm so glad I did that. And the other thing is working as a consultant, I'm sure you do this, Brian, but I always give a little bit more than the brief required. Mm-hmm. So I always try So if there's a deadline, get the work done before the deadline, even if it's just one or two days, get it done yeah. before. Because the client thinks, well, I was expecting that on Friday and it's turned up on Wednesday. Wow. Oh, and he's done a little bit more than I asked him to do. This is great news for potential future work and is an absolute key. It's an absolute key to, uh, to, to, you know, keeping work going. So those, those are the two. And, uh, you know, I've been very lucky to work um, as a developer effectively um, and also for myself. And uh, those two things are, you know, I've worked. So actually, this is quite interesting. So McCoy is asking here, when we started our careers, were you employed under a company offering services or you went on your own right away? Well, I don't know how old you are, McCoy. So for me, um, I was effectively um, on on my own, but um, I'd got quite a lot of experience, 30 30 years experience um, before I did that. Uh, in the development field. So if you're, if you're a young person, it is probably very beneficial to work for a project management company because you're going to, you're going to learn an awful lot more quicker, I suspect, from the senior people that are in that organization. And then you can decide whether or not you're confident enough or can get enough clients to go out on your own. I think going out on your own as a very young person or as a young professional is quite tough. And um, you won't want to make mistakes and let people down. So I'd get some years under your belt before, um, you know, in a in a in a in a in a, a, a reasonable, well-known organisation, if you possibly can. 
um, because you will learn so quickly um, from those who have done it. By the way, you'll learn and you'll learn the best bits. So you'll you'll go to the office and there'll be a, you know, six partners or let's say however many there are, and you can pick out the best bits of all of them, and that's can give you a um, yeah, they can be like a, a role model for you to um, carry your career further on. I, I think um, there's uh, for young architects. So for me, I, I started with a with a another with a C, uh, CM firm. Um, there's actually an advantage to it uh, working for somebody else because one, uh, you're not held legally liable for mistakes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. And so it it leaves you some room for growth because not because uh, not not that you can intentionally make mistakes, but I mean they they cannot just put the blame on you because uh, you're not in any way deciding for your superior, yeah. right, uh, for your bosses. So they should be supervising your work and make sure that you're delivering according to expectation and that they, they are actually setting you up for a successful career even within their firm. Um, and it's, it's actually working for a firm uh, in, in the early years also gives you an opportunity to learn how to work with clients. I mean, your bosses are clients. If, if you've been in, in a big organization, they would tell you that your clients can also be those inside your organizations because they have needs and you will respond to those needs together uh, while working on the project. So they are your, your bosses. You can treat your bosses as your clients. So mm. I think this is ideal for growth. And uh, what I, I remember when I was starting out... Um, I had an opportunity of joining a really big company, probably among the top 10 in the Philippines. And um, I decided to forego that and work with a smaller firm wherein I'll get to have bigger responsibilities. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be more hands-on with the things I do. Uh, so... Grow, it gives you a sense of it, it it does not only give you room for growth but opportunities to to i think greater opportunities to really learn on your own within the framework of that organization and uh it it gives you more confidence when you know you're given more um responsibility and if you know you can you know work on work on it and meet those responsibilities given to you. I think that really builds your confidence uh, up to a point wherein you you can tell yourself, uh, "Hey, I'm ready. I'm I mean, uh, I'm ready to to get on my uh, get my own clients, deliver my own projects. I have both the the technical competence and the behavioral competence required of me." So I I, I think there's there's wisdom to it, not to to bypass that that stage wherein you could actually be employed so yeah, yeah that that's for me so okay I, so, think, it's, uh, I think it's good good advice yeah yeah and um let's uh yeah uh let's go back um uh, nick um did we miss one question i saw something flash up but i didn't have a chance to read it there was quite a big uh, quite a long question i think yeah i and there's oh, okay let's, there. let's 
yeah, let's do this. This question is addressed to, oh, to, to, to both of us, and I would love to take the path of becoming a CTM. I just felt it's a bit late. I am 47 years old and never had a, an experience working under a consultancy firm. My exposure is QS work under a main contractor and in, all in Saudi Arabia in the last 12 years. What advisor steps I need to take to make it possible? The other thing is I think here in the Philippines, it's really hard to land a CTM position if you don't have consultancy experience. Okay, I think uh, that the context is, uh, is there. Um, the context is local, so I'll go ahead and answer this. I think uh, I, can add, well, I can add a bit later. I yeah. can add a bit later. Uh, th thanks. So I don't think it's a bit late. Um, uh, 47, uh, I mean, for, for most of us, for many though, for many, the, the career of an architect CM really starts at 40. Though I, I think I've had mine earlier. But um, I think at 47, it's never too late. Why? Because, uh, well, um, I think this is the time wherein you can make the most out of your experience. I mean, make your experience and the expertise um, work for you, right? Uh, I mean, for as long as you... You never, for as long as all those 25 or 23 years of that uh, were spent uh, working, uh, then I think uh, that would have developed in you some comp uh, the competencies you need, right? Um, I, I think it would be a, a good advice uh, to also. Uh, um, get well it it also works magic for or or when you when you have uh, credentials um at 47 it's not too late also to to get credentialed I mean, there's there's uh there's locally we have one with the CIAP the construction in a industry authority of the Philippines you can get certified there as a CPM or maybe you'd like to get certified by by um, AACEI, or uh, I mean, there's a lot out there. CMAA is also an option. Um, it 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 costs a lot uh, to 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 get certified. But if you're 47, I think uh, what you should be looking forward to is not getting into another employment locally but to be able to get your own clients because um, uh, I think that will, by this time you have already have the confidence to, to do things um, and you have the expertise. So what you need is some proof of your uh, competence through uh, credentialing systems. I think that if you plan to work in the Philippines, then the Filipino one may be, may be the way, may be the route to go for you. Uh, I spent some time in Saudi, so I would say to you, uh, well, firstly, I didn't go abroad to Oman until I was forty nine. So actually, you're two years younger than when I made my big step. <laughs> okay. Uh, secondly, I would say I spent some time in Saudi, so uh, and I know how tough uh, some of the contractors are. I had some dealings with Saudi bin Laden and a few other of uh, the main contractors out there. So I'm sure that you are very good at your job. And a QS um, who's got a lot of experience working for a 
I mean, these are huge contractors in uh, in Saudi Arabia, some of them, um, has actually got some very good, useful experience, I would say. So I think your experience uh, helps you, actually. I think if you can get some kind of credentials, that would be very good. And um, I would say to you that under the present circumstances where the control of costs and understanding the Q, you know, what a QS can do in uh, any kind of development now and keeping control uh, is going to be even more crucial than before because money is going to be tight. So everyone's going to be looking for value for money. And the QS holds the purse strings. Uh, he can effectively control the site. And uh, if you could do that well, then I actually think there could be an expanding uh, potential market for you. That's what I would say. And if it's not in the Philippines, it would be somewhere else. But I, I know that there's a lot of uh, you know, major projects that are in the pipeline in the Philippines. And I would have thought that um, the future is pretty good for you. You've got a good, I don't know how old you want to work for. I'm now 63, so I'm still going. So you've got a good, you've got a good 15 years. Um, and giving up work is not really a great thing if you're a busy person it's good to keep working so yeah i think um i would press on if i were you give it a go actually um if uh, there's a local I'm, I'm a member of the local uh, organization for uh, uh quantity surveyors here so they actually have pathways to certification also that's mm. that's another option it's uh the philippine institute for off chartered quantity surveyors so um yeah that that could be an option too be part of it um be part of it uh, go through the certification it's more value for money than just going straight out uh, getting cer uh, certification from international organizations they have a yeah. pathway for professionals like you so yeah just uh um you can also email if if you if you you're interested uh, you can uh, send me a private message after after this talk and i can refer you to the organization yeah and, that's uh, good. and and yeah and you'll meet some you'll meet some fellows who are doing the same thing yeah. so this is going to expand your network very good idea yeah and uh, and we're actually established we will soon have a you can also join international organizations like uh, like ICPMA right yeah. uh, wherein we can i mean uh, we when we look at broad opportunities we should be looking not only at one geographic uh, location because uh, we can actually work on on different uh, uh, different parts of of the world uh, uh, some work that we i mean especially for cost management we can actually do work away from away from sites so that's an option also yeah so, i yeah. think there's going to be opportunities i mean it you know they may not happen immediately because the crisis is going to dampen things down but uh, come next year they will yeah have no doubt and, and uh i mean for the the out uh, construction industry outlook we're we're still good here in the philippines yeah uh, compared to the rest of southeast asia so uh South, southeast asia so i think we're there could be there could be a lot of opportunities waiting for you here. So, um, 
let's let's go through oh, another got, got another one got another one yeah. yeah and then there's two more uh before we proceed with some of our of, of uh my questions uh this is from Ariel Dominic Carandang uh, thank you for the discussion i am currently working in a design consultancy firm and i also want to explore this field one of my dilemmas is the time frame allotted in each project it's quite different in the time in the time frame of our deliverables in the design firm I'm working from. Hmm. So um, it's actually not a question, but. Uh, yeah, um, but the, it, I, I think he may be saying that he's, he is aware that the time frames being asked for delivery of projects could be too tight, not mm -hmm. enough time, which is a, a very usual a very usual problem that we have and it's fundamentally down to well i don't know if these projects have a have a project manager involved at the early stage but it's a, this is actually one of the roles of the construction project managers to say actually you this time scale is too tight this is not going to work you're going to you're going to have mistakes here we need to build in another month or two or three or whatever it is to make sure that this is done properly and in my experience, one of the very worst things is that the design phase at the beginning is never quite finished before you start on site, and then you end up with variations. Oh. And this is basically a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, for disputes. So <laughs> it's for disputes, disaster, things not yeah. being done right, you know, yeah. roofs yeah. leaking and things not being built properly. And uh, it's uh, a worldwide problem, I'm afraid. And we have to uh, we have to try and educate uh, clients, contractors, and whatever to give enough time. And that doesn't mean being lax with it. You know, people can go mm -hmm. fast, but it has to be a proper proper time frame. Yeah, Dominic or uh, Ariel, um, time is a really. I think it's the worst constraint that one has um, in a project and. Because unlike, unlike other un, uh, unlike other constraints or resources, um, actually time is the most difficult to to put a value to, right? Um, and most of the time, it's it's actually time that is the cause of many disputes. Uh, in a project because cost i mean if if uh why why is it time because if you cannot deliver a project on time you will have additional cost to it so anything that happens beyond the time allotted is a potential uh, additional cost or yep. yeah and uh and uh for you if you're you feel that uh, the reason why you're not delivering on time is because of some uh things like uh some uh issues that are outside your control as a professional like decisions by the owners then i think uh what will complicate that is that um is that you still have to to if uh, somebody's claiming against that then um you still have to put value again to 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 the time that was lost or to the time that uh yeah that was lost or that could have uh, been added to the project so that the project can be delivered uh, uh, successfully. So, time is a major constraint. No, um, and, and it is. is. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I would, go ahead. I would just add, um, you're working in a design consultancy firm now, so 
actually to get some more experience of this. So in other words, not just designing in your in your um, in your bubble, if you like, but to have a bit more experience of um, how the project will actually be delivered will help your career. So you know to be able to actually understand that this is what's needed to make this thing happen um, will be a big benefit for you if you can uh, move into that uh, area as well as uh, just being a designer. Not not that I'm putting down design because I love design, but um, yeah. I think that designers who understand the practicalities of what they're proposing um, are going to be much more valuable, um, certainly in the next few years, whilst we, we get out of this um, you know crisis that we're into at the moment with, uh, with finance. Well, I think um, this is my last uh, insight on this uh, comment. Um, if you're getting into construction project management, uh, you will be involved with the project in the project for a longer time, right? Uh, because construction project management yeah. is from pre-design all the way to post-construction. So, so um, this will really widen your your horizon because uh, the truth about it is that design. Is the shortest, or can be the shortest part of of the whole project life cycle because mm. there's there's longer time for planning, planning the cost, planning the time, uh, getting to all these contract uh, uh, contract contractual arrangements, and then uh, of course construction is definitely longer than design. So so if your if your your experience is from with a design consultancy firm, I think it may be, it may give you some shock to know that uh, your project involvement will be substantially longer in a project as a CPM than as a designer. So, so it, it really depends on you. Some people get bored with that, with a length of time they get stuck with a project, with the same project, but could also present opportunities for you to, to really learn what you have to learn in those in, in those projects. And so I, yep. hope, I hope that that gives you the insights that you are looking for, uh, Dominic. So I think uh, Nick, uh, many people would ma many professionals would really uh, I think they're 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 shy to ask this question, but this is a major consideration for them. Um, and and not not that um, not that it's not because it's the only measure of success, uh, but it is a main consideration for for all its practicality. And of course, uh, in in your career as a professional. So the question is, in terms of revenue and profit, how profitable or how financially rewarding is a CPM career? Or at well, least compared, yeah. compared to design. Compared to design. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I think these days to be a you have to be a very successful designer to earn quite a lot of money. <laughs> that's I true. That, I think that's yeah. very that's global. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is it is a global issue. Uh, it used to be slightly different, and I think now um, 
the amount of knowledge that you have to have and the amount of responsibility for the reward of being a designer is slightly out of kilter for me, unless you are an absolute world expert. So let's assume that we don't have, you know, necessarily uh, Norman Foster or, you know, somebody um, listening in uh, to that. I think you've got to be seriously outstanding to to a lot of money in design. Um, I think construction project management is a pretty good career. Um, I think you can earn more doing other things if you're a financial advisor or something like that, very probably. Um, but it's a good solid career and um, like the gentleman who, who had been working in Saudi Arabia for, for a number of years, um, things are always being built. Even in recessions, things are built. So you've pretty much, if you're you know pretty good at your job, uh, you will have a job uh, for for life. You'll be able to you'll be able to work for as long as you want to work. So I would say the rewards are, um, and I don't know the detail about the Philippines, but um, certainly in the places that I've worked, um, construction project management and um, the associated skills around that are fairly well rewarded and um, you know, it's a good solid career to have. Uh, I think if you are extremely talented, you can also have the opportunity later on, once you've got some experience, to run your own project management company, which is a great thing to be able to do. I think um, to, to to be your own boss is what I'm saying, and that suits not everybody, but it does suit quite a lot of people to have that opportunity. It's something you can do with not much investment, and you can still do your job very well. So I think there's some different routes you can go down, and you can work around the world because yeah. uh, these skills are these skills are needed everywhere. It it was recently on the news, and um, you mentioned. Uh, uh, architect Norman Foster. It was recently in the news so that uh, uh, the Foster and Associates, uh, I think their employees will receive a twenty percent pay cut across all of uh, across all offices. I mean, I mean that's a big firm, and they're they're that's the harsh reality. Um, I think uh, there uh, when when it comes to profitability. Probably that's one reason I can uh, I, I I decided not to go back to the design. I, I yeah. Uh, what, I mean, uh, there's well, it's what I do is very specialized, so I can go head to head even with a. I, I've gone head to head with some UK based firms for a UK based company, and. I think they just have no choice. So if both of us didn't, both of us were were keeping our costs at the our prices at the price prices we want, then they just have to make a decision on that. Uh, unlike for for design, because everybody wants to design, everybody designs. I, I think there's just, I mean, it's just the basic law of supply and demand. There's just an oversupply of designers, and. Sadly, uh, especially in the Philippines, not to, not all will will play fair. Meaning, no. if they need to to get into a project just by cutting the cost, 
to to almost an impossible amount they would do it for for survival but for 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 most most of us doing cost management if if the price is not we don't feel good about the price if it's not justifiable we just say okay that's our offer we 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 just walk away and normally mm. normally because they don't have any other choice because we're we're just few and if they're turning to the bigger guys turning to the bigger guys doing what we do they'll end up spending what two to three times more i mean just because they're they're really big names um so but on a rev rate per hour i think it pays more um yeah i think it pays more that's my experience uh so yeah so i think there's a better ch- would you agree uh, that there is a better chance to be financially re- for for a career to be financially rewarding nick As i think CP. so yeah yeah i yeah. think so yeah so okay let's uh let's uh, let's take on another question from uh from from them uh this is from archibos for brian and nick for those aspiring to be a cpm2 which one do we need to learn as a prerequisite contracts documents con- documentation cost and schedule or technical design and site issue solution and quality control Ooh. Would you like to well, go ahead? No, you 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 start, Brian, because I, I I'm interested because it's got cost and schedule here in number one. And yeah, I know that's yeah, that's your one of your expertises. Yeah, uh, I think well, there's no doing away with the foundations. That's that's what I I, I run uh, I run a digital education company. We teach construction management, and we won't let anyone specialize into something like specifically cost management without going through the foundations going through all the project leadership construction cost management um, co- time management contract documents quality management sustainability safety i mean you you have to to be able to specialize you have to to really spend time understanding how this whole thing works because none of these constraints work independently of of each other that's why you have models like the triple constraints where in a change in one or a, a change in one constraint will impact all all other constraints so so i i don't think there is a prerequisite to 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 which one you should learn um uh more as a prerequisite but but i think um um understanding I, i think contract administration uh somehow gives you uh a bigger context on uh, as to how these things can turn into contractual nightmares so contract administration actually uh, puts together all these other constraints in a way that uh you really you are really motivated to push the project forward so uh, that that's it for me um i think it's really understanding the foundation so uh, the entire of it because uh that's the prerequisite to becoming a specialist on one so there's no yeah there's no yeah the, the, everything has to be learned um uh, the soonest time you can that's what i think okay 
So I think you have to have a grounding in all uh, all aspects of this. So I'm um, I'm absolutely 100% with Brian on that. Um, I think that to get to the top, so you can, if you want to um, translate that, if you like, to be how can I earn a bit more money, going back to the previous question, mm. I think that the chances are that you will earn more if you're in box one. Mm. Because you have to understand how the legal side is put together and the cost side is put together. Um, you, you, if you have a really good understanding of all of that, how a job runs and how it works and how it makes money, you are more likely to get a senior, a more senior position and therefore earn more money. On the other hand, if you don't, if you're not sort of, you have to have a bit of a legal brain to do that. If you're a more practical person who doesn't have such a legal or analytical brain, then the second box is still a good box to do because you, that's all about delivery on site and making sure your customers are happy, which is, is great. But uh, the route for me, the strategic route to running a big job, uh, if you don't understand all the things you've got in box one, you're in trouble because you're going to make some decisions that are going to end up costing you money, time, and, uh, and not working out properly. I forgot to add that uh, there is actually in the practice of CPM, there's, there's a hierarchy, uh, technical, commercial, and then legal. I, I'd say technical are foundations. Uh, the commercial aspects of it meaning huh, the money side, you know, how much money it will cost, how much money will we make. Uh, uh, um, it's another area that uh, we can you can get into and then i think the 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 the, high, the highest among this is really the legal side so so there but but again it's it's really you have to see all of this you, have, how you have to work yeah. together yeah you have to see it all but your boxes are quite good um, okay actually it's quite a good way of looking at it but don't put yourself in one box just because you think you're going to earn more money if that's not your uh, yeah. if that's not your expertise. If you're happier to be out on site and um, dealing with quality control and stuff, then that's the way forward for you. Because um, you know, ultimately, you have to be interested and you have to be able to do um, do the job that's given to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. Great question. So, Great question. Thank you, Marky Boss. Yeah, thank you. thanks for asking. And then, um, Nick, you are the past president of the current executive officer of ICPMA. So can you share with us, share with our audience, what ICPMA is and what it does and how to be a member of it? Yeah, so we're a, a basically a networking group. We're a, a group of friends. We've become friends over the years. Uh, it was started in the early 2000s, so it's been going nearly 20 years now. And uh, we have uh, junior members and senior members. We have uh, interns. We have some student members. Uh, Brian is an ambassador for us now in Southeast Asia, Philippines and Southeast Asia, starting this year. Um, and uh, we're international. So we spread best practice. And we believe in um, 
projects being done uh, in a world of alliance. So in other words, we believe that people should work together for the overall good. We don't believe in uh, confrontational um, project management. And we also believe that innovation is the way forward uh, in our industry and many other industries actually, but uh, we are great believers in innovation. So ICPMA has uh, members around the world. We're a, we're a fun group to be with. We have uh, people from many countries, many backgrounds. Uh, you could be any part of uh, the construction management from design through to uh, QSing, through to cost control, through to anything that has anything to do with delivering buildings and places. Uh, we welcome you. you can, uh, we have some academics. We undertake research. And you can find us at uh, www.icpma.net or through Brian. Uh, he's our ambassador. So the best route really is through Brian to start with. Uh, but we're also on uh, LinkedIn and on um, we're also on uh, Facebook. Um, and um, we're, we're a very friendly networking group. We, we don't certify. Uh, we don't certify professional uh, expertise. Um, we're, we're not. We're not in that. That's that's a very different thing to do. A Chartered Institute of Building are primarily the world leaders in that. Uh, but we. So, for example, our members would come to us and say, "Have you got a member in this country? I'm looking at a job. There. What advice can they give me?" And we'll we'll put people in touch uh, like that. So. Um, and we have uh, we run awards every year. Um, so actually, um, we had some we've had some awards from Japan. We've had nothing from the Philippines yet, but hopefully um, sometime soon. And um, we'll work yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll work on that. So um, it's a great organisation to be part of, and um, we are not for profit. So um, and we're all volunteers. So actually. Um, uh, you know, it's a very interesting body to be part of. Um, we're all professionals, so um, anybody who's got a question or an opportunity or something they want to discuss or an idea, uh, we publish articles um, and um, we really enjoy it. It's fun. So, um, yeah, talk to Brian in the first instance and then uh, it'll come through to me. My, my, I, I'm flashing my email address there. So just in case some of you might want to, to consider applying uh, as a member and just uh, send me an email uh, in this address. So um, by the way, Brian, I should add, we have a very special offer this year that if you join this year, then next year is free. Because of the virus, uh, we've decided to have a, a free year uh, for all our members um, because uh, it seems to be the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's really uh, a really great uh, opportunity to join there. Um, sure. Join right now. Okay. So let's move <laughs> on to something more relevant to this current uh, global crisis. How do you think has COVID-19 affected the construction industry and the demand for AEC professionals? Okay. So um, clearly there's been uh, you know, massive impact around the world with sites, but let's assume, let's assume uh, that they start to start up again. What's what's going to happen? For me, um, the, the 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 changes, the things that are really going to be needed, are um, 
construction professionals generally, but project managers are going to need to find ways to create more value for their clients. They're going to have to think of flexibility in projects that are underway. I think that projects that are not underway will probably go through a redesign, quite possibly, or be put on the shelf for a while. But there are lots of projects that are underway that are going to need to be changed slightly, probably, because of what's happened. So I think there is a, actually a huge role for the man in the middle or the woman in the middle, the construction project manager, to get the team together to innovation is going to, we need to innovate. We need to think about how buildings can be put together safely and sustainable uh, for the future. So for example, What's going to happen? Let's take a small example. What's going to happen to the restaurant industry? So restaurants now are not going to be allowed to have as many people in them. How are you going to design the design and build toilets? Are they going to have handles? Are they still going to have handles? How are you going to do put cleaning stations in the toilets? What size are the kitchens going to have to be? How are you going to manage the areas around uh, design? Uh, how are you going to design the areas for people to be safe? Are you going to have digital menus, for example? Um, how are restaurants that serve buffets, how are they going to work when you have a lot of people all queuing up at the same time to take food that's been cooked for a lot of people? So these are a few things that there, there are going to be some buildings that are halfway through being built or nearly finished for new restaurants where the design's not going to work anymore. So the construction project manager is going to have to think long and hard about how these buildings can be changed, how the design can be changed economically to actually make that building still work. That's just one example. You, go, you can go through any, any type of uh, new design. There are going to be ways in which uh, things have to change. Now, the designer's going to have some ideas. The contractor's going to have some ideas. Who's going to bring it all together? The guy in the middle. And that's us. That's our role. So my, my personal view is that actually once things get started again, there's going to be a huge role for people who are clever, who can innovate, and can get the team working uh, to come up with solutions so that the client... Uh, we would say doesn't lose his shirt, still has a building that makes him some money or reduces his losses. Because, you know, they've had two, three months added to the build time already. They've probably lost some contractors. You know, what's going to happen? So um, I think for me, um, it's, a, uh, it's an opportunity. It's coming along soon in the next couple of months. There's going to be a lot of people scratching their heads, a lot of clients scratching their heads saying, right, now what do we do with this building? How do we make it work? And those people who can come up with uh, cost-effective solutions will do well. So what you're saying is that we, as CPMs, we will play a critical role Absolutely. towards this industry, towards recovery. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Who else is going to do it? Yeah, I, I believe so too. So we have some, um, well, uh, we have uh, Carlo and uh, uh, 
Zas Santos and Miguel Tayag. Uh, thank you for for joining thank us you. tonight. Um, and um, architect Carlo Marudo is actually a CPM too. We were, uh, we were, we were, we had our interview for certification by the local certification. Huh. Uh, we we had it on the same day. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, Lahan. Okay, so I guess we're we're down to to a few more questions, Nick. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of uh, your busy schedule to to guest in our show. I know you and Christina are busy preparing for our annual general membership yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And uh, and I mean to take you away from it is uh, really uh, really speaks so much of of your commitment to to helping out uh, make uh, CPM a mainstream career for many construction industry professionals. So as we come to a close, I would like to ask you for, for any advice that you m- might have for those who are already engaged um, in CPM, for those who are currently stuck in design but would like to explore opportunities beyond design, and for students who are in courses related to the construction industry or the built environment? Yeah. So I think for everybody, it is very necessary to be seen on site. So we've mentioned this before. So I think it's very important whether you are a junior, whether you're a student, whether you're a mid, you know, whether you're an early, uh, whether you're an intern or whether you're a chief executive, it's very important that when you are involved in a building project that you are seen on site. I think it's very important. It motivates uh, the people. I learned that from when I was a very young man. Um, the CEO, of a, well, the owner of a company that I worked for was always seen on site. And uh, he, uh, he wasn't a construction guy. He was a, you know, a different kind of guy, but he would always be seen on site and um, take an interest in what was going on. I think at the moment, one of the most important things to do is to be able and willing to innovate. Now, most people coming up and students are much more uh, savvy, have much more knowledge than I do about the uh, you know, new, new technologies and new ways that things can be managed. And you need to use that to your major advantage. Uh, you know, this is one of the things in ICPMA that we actually really like to have young people with us because they teach the old people. <laughs> probably more than they're learning from us. So you have a great part to play. So for me, be seen on site, innovation. And for me, one of the most important things is really to understand what your client wants, really understand what the client wants. Because if you have a good understanding of where he's coming from, he or she is coming from, then you're much more likely to do uh, the best job. So if you're working for a company and you working on a job and you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing, you need to get to the bottom of it. What does the client want here? What is the client's purpose? What's his, what's he trying to, what's he trying to um, achieve here? And let's, let's find out what he, what he, uh, what he can achieve. I also think that going forward, we're going to learn from the virus. I think that there will be more emphasis on sustainable and quality 
buildings going forward. I think it's going to be very necessary to use not necessarily more expensive materials, but more environmentally friendly materials and better and safer ways of doing things. So uh, open up one's mind to uh, to those kinds of things going forward. That's what I would say. Oh, there's one more question. I'll take this one. Um, for Brian, Nick, if there's any... If there's any, what are the corruption um, issues you experienced during your CPM relationship with, during your CPM relationship with your clients, and how do you handle, avoid or play with it? Uh, thank you. Well, um, you, you know, uh, Alvaro, one of the things that really made me decide to just focus on cost management is that I don't have to deal with these permits. Uh, and all these regulatory issues, I have to factor them in to the cost. And I, if I take on a contract administration role, I have to factor them in uh, to the contract. But uh, but I don't normally have to decide on 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 something uh, regarding this regulatory papers or um, regulatory compliance. Uh, but most of the time, it's actually a contractor's uh, contractor's job to secure this permits. Um, yeah, this but, is a, it's, a, it's a very yeah. difficult question because it, it's everywhere in the world. And uh, so Brian is right. You have to recognize it. You have to build it in. Um, there, what we always did as much as humanly possible is to you know obviously have sealed bids. Uh, and make sure the process and the evaluation process of anything like that with a contractor is as transparent as possible. Um, it is very difficult to, it's very difficult to manage and you will never stamp it out. It's not possible. But you do need to be aware of it, as Brian is saying, and you need to try and minimize it as much as possible. Uh, and that's you have to do your very best. You can't turn. A, we would say you can't turn a blind eye. You, if you know it's there, you can have uh, whistleblowing policies, and I've, I had those in the UK. So, uh, and it did ha actually happen in a company that I was running, where um, a whistleblower went to somebody else and said, "This is going on in the company," and it was investigated. And we got to the bottom of it, and there was some corruption going on with contracts being let um, to uh, their prefer preferred contractors. Mm -hmm. So we were able to take uh, take action. But you, you And the whistleblower was never known. I never knew who it was. So they have to be given, and uh, you know, they have to be anonymous. Um, it's, it's quite tricky, but it actually saved the company quite a lot of money at the end of the day. So uh, it will never be stamped out. It's, it's, uh, I think in certain countries it's, it's rife and other countries it's just there. It's part of the, part of the process. But you have to try and make, it as, uh, make your uh, procurement as transparent as possible. And that's the best you can do. Okay. I, I don't know, Nick, if there's any comfort to, uh, to it, to know that it's, not unique to the Philippines. That corruption is no, not no, 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 no. It's everywhere. But uh, it's everywhere. really a sad reality that uh, we just have to recognize and 
learn to deal with and minimize as as much as we can. Okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I, I guess that was the last of our questions. Uh, it came in after your advice, but uh, we didn't want. I didn't want to to left a uh, question unanswered. So, no, no, okay, no. no. Well, we yeah, th thank you very much for those who uh, to for those of you who watched this. Uh, with um, please share this after after this uh, Facebook Live is done. This video will still be on our page. Uh, please feel free to share it to your friends, your colleagues. Um, and uh, stay tuned to our. Please like our page, follow it because we will have more of this in the coming weeks. Um, and if you have any suggestions or if you if there's anything, any topic that you would like to, 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 to watch or to learn more about, um, please uh, drop them in, in the comments and uh, we will, we will uh, try as much as possible to, to, um, yeah, to, to, to get them, uh, to get something in that topic. Uh, 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 in an episode or in an episode or two. So, so once again, we thank you very much, Nick, for for gracing our first episode, and we'd Very like to, to see you thank more you. of you as we have more of this uh, talks uh, uh, about about uh, topics beyond design. Excellent. And uh, yeah, so and lastly, we would like to again to thank our sponsors, Pioneer Adhesives Inc. Yes. and Arcade Solutions for supporting this show and. Uh, I'm sure that uh, that uh, your support here will never go to waste. Uh, and it's Very an investment we're uh, making. So once again, we thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Nick. And uh, thank you, this, Prime. We'll be, in, we'll be in touch. And this ends our uh, official broadcast of our first episode. So stay tuned. And stay tuned. And you will see more of this uh, uh, episodes beyond design. Thank you and good night. God bless. Good night. You have just listened to Beyond Design. Stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you.